Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome one, welcome all. It is Tuesday, August 22nd, 2023. It is 8.01 p.m. Central Standard Time. That means we are live on the Blog on the Boys YouTube channel and the Blog on the Boys Twitch channel for this week's Blog on the Boys Roundtable. If you're not with us live, shame on you, uh, but you can catch the rewatch at your own personal convenience. You can also catch the audio version of this show uh, at your own personal convenience if you subscribe to the Blog on the Boys Podcast Network. We are available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, leave a rating, write a review. Those things help us out enormously. Uh, if you do subscribe to the BTB podcast or here to the YouTube channel or to the Twitch channel, you've seen these gentlemen's faces before. If you are a blogintheboys.com reader, sorry, I'm checking on my Houston Astros. You have read their work before. My name is RJ Ochoa. Let's start in clockwise order. My Astros are actually taking on his Boston Red Sox at the moment. It is Tony, Catalina, and Anthony. Uh, how did you feel about the Red Sox dropping the first game on Monday night? Um, you know, the Red Sox have been a really up and down this year, so it, it, it's been tough to really totally invest in them. Mm, okay. Well, that's pretty sad. Uh, Brandon Clements, um, uh, I don't know who your baseball loyalties lie with. Uh, is it the Red Sox? Is it the Yankees? Is it the Mets? I mean, like, uh, it absolutely you- is the Red Sox, RJ. And I, you know what? To answer that question, it just, it was great coming off a sweep of the Yankees this past weekend. Mm. So, you know what? It, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, the Red Sox, like Tony mentioned, they, they kind of, they, they've been up and down this year. So, you know, at this point, at this stage of the game, if the Yankees can be at the bottom of the division, I'm good with that. Um, well, you know what, Brandon, it's, you're, you're a, an enigma. I'll say that. I mean, you're very, very proudly Western New York area and you're a Cowboys fan. You're a Red Sox fan. Uh, so, you know, but Hey, um, I've heard that you like Syracuse. Uh, so maybe, I mean, maybe a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, Kevin offers uh, that you're wearing orange. I wouldn't say that Syracuse orange personally, uh, but said, well, it's not Eagles green, so they'll allow it. You do wear um, some aggressive colors here on the round tables, Brandon. Uh, I, I do. And this is actually, it's actually a red. It's actually a, you know, as you guys know, I'm a big wrestling fan. So I have to, I'm wearing a little Shinsuke Nakamura stuff. So that's what I'm doing tonight. Okay. Well, congrats on that. Uh, Rick says, good evening, BTV. Eric offers, I'm actually a Mariners guy in baseball and football. It's the Seahawks. So I don't know how Eric wound up here, but welcome aboard, Eric. Uh, David Hellman, uh, you're not a Seahawks fan or a Mariners fan, as I take it. Is there any Seattle team that you, so I could see you being like a Seattle Kraken fan. Yeah. You know, when, when the Seattle Kraken had their first season, I said, I've never been a hockey guy, but for the Seattle Kraken, I'm going to get into it. And I think I watched like the first three games and then I lost interest. Sorry, but if I had to pick a hockey team that I'm pulling for, the Seattle Kraken, they have my heart. Um, so okay. one. Well, that's good to know. Um, it is this week's Blog and the Boys Roundtable. Like I said, you can see, hear, read, listen, smell all of these gentlemen all throughout the Blog and the Boys universe. You heard Halman and Brandon on today's episode of the Writer's Block. You heard Tony on yesterday's episode of First and Ten. Uh, it is football season for us, and so we have a lot going on. 
Uh, and so that's why we don't ever stop. Uh, in fact, uh, Brian Rail says, can we get the football? Uh, I guess we might as well uh, go ahead and do that. Kevin says five points to Brandon. I will take a wrestling shirt over someone's soccer shirts. I think that's a subtle dig at me potentially. Uh, but that does put Brandon on the board first. Helmet, I don't think you've been on um, since we've done. Actually, maybe, Brandon, you haven't. I can't recall since you've been doing the digital scoreboard. Uh, oh. Now, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, we move right, the furniture right. around here for the, the 2023 season. We're taking a little bit more seriously. So uh, right. the scoreboard is updated on the screen to your convenience throughout the night. Uh, Brandon, you are out to a five-point lead. Brandon, you have a question about this. Well, no, not, not a question, but uh, I was just thinking, I think the last time I was on the round table, it's been a little bit, I think I won. So I think I got to, I got to win. I got to win tonight too. So Tony, I think you won last week. Is that correct? No, you're not letting me. <laughs> I, <won>. um, <laughs> I mean, I obviously know who won, you know what I mean? I just asked it that way. Clearly. To set Embarrass that me. Uh, yeah. I mean, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't use that <laughs> word. I mean, that's your word. But uh, but Brandon is off to an early start. Howman, um, I asked Tony this last week. I do remember that to predict the gold, silver, and bronze medalists uh, for the panelists in question. So if you could do that for tonight, then we can get on with the football. Well, I mean, we know Tony's not getting the gold, uh, unfortunately. But uh, so I think I think he's going to come in with a solid silver. I think I'll get the bronze, and Brandon, he already he already set the tone early. He's going to be taking the gold. Okay. Uh, well, he's not going to be taking the goal. He's going to be taking the red. That's how he set the tone. Like it had actually had to do with the color. Uh, so that's the uh, the irony behind it. Um, so uh, Kevin says uh, no score is too large to lose. That's right. Uh, Hellman and Brandon last week, uh, we had some points deducted. Danny Phantom had a massive lead on both Tony and LP. And now it's all coming back to me. Uh, LP made up some ground in a hurry and took took the title. So we'll see how that ultimately um, you know, winds out tonight. But gentlemen, tonight we're going to be talking about biggest and smallest concerns with the Dallas Cowboys as we see them now. The Cowboys wrapping up Cowboys night kind of at this exact moment in time for us. Uh, it was around this time last year uh, that Tyron Smith got hurt. So thankfully we don't have to deal with anything like that. Um, that was uh, a night that I think we'd all like to forget. But let's start with the negative side of the spectrum. Biggest concerns about the Dallas Cowboys at the moment. This can be anything you want. It can be multiple things. These are things that keep you up at night, things that cause you to sweat, that cause you anxiety and stress, and maybe to vomit. I mean, it's up to you how far you want to take this. So, David Hellman, you're first, and uh, to what degree uh, is this stressing you out? I think right now the biggest concern for me is just the kicker situation, um, which, of course, is low-hanging fruit, and we kind of have gone on a bit of a roller coaster with Brandon Aubrey. He's had some, had some highs, had some lows, and – um, he just really, you know, at this point has been the sole kicker on the roster for a while now and hasn't really gotten into his groove and, you know, been able to have consistent days where he's going without misses. Um, even today he had, you know, he, he made one from 53, which it's been a while since he, you know, really had a make from beyond 50 yards, but then he also missed one from, I think it was 48 yards where it bounced off the upright. So you don't, you don't really like to see that as we're kind of getting to this point where it feels like they're settling on him as a kicker. Um, that does kind of concern me, uh, especially because there's been kicker issues the last couple of years, whether it was Greg Zerline, Brett Maher was great all regular season. And for whatever reason, the playoffs, he got the yips. So um, it, it's just kind of uh, concerning to, to be getting this close to the start of the regular season. And they still haven't really figured out the kicker situation with something that, you know, leaves me without any kind of worry in my head. Um, I have a take on this, but I'll allow the, the other two of you to go first. Brandon, are you, equally concerned with the kicker situation are you mildly concerned are you more concerned perhaps than Howman seems to be 
Yeah, I'm definitely not as concerned. As I said on the writer's block uh, this uh, today, actually, I, I call him the B3 because he's going to be making a lot of threes this year for the uh, for the Cowboys. So I'm really excited to see how well he does. But I did see that uh, Michael Galkin was, uh, I think he mentioned seven out of eight today uh, in a recent uh, recent kicking performance for Aubrey. And, and as I said last uh, on, on the, uh, the writer's block this week, he, he's actually doing pretty well recently. And his, uh, his last two kicks, I know they were extra points. I would have liked to see him get some live field goal reps against the Seahawks this past weekend. But each kick he had for the extra point, uh, it split the sticks nicely. It wasn't any concern. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't just sneaking in. It was right down the middle. So for me, I was, I, I was very pleased with, uh, with, with Brandon Aubrey so far. And another part of his game that I do like is he does kick him out of the end zone. So there's a lot of touchbacks, I feel like, that are coming. And I do know a lot of Cowboys fans are, are looking at Robbie Gold. And, you know, the one thing about Robbie Gold is, yeah, he's accurate. He's, he's, he's this, he's that. But is he, want, is he, gonna, is he gonna do kickoffs this year? Is he, gonna, is he gonna kick over 50 yards? Like we, I wanna see a long distance kicker. That's, you know, I want a guy that can kick it and kick it out of the end zone. Tony, you were actually the first person I saw during the Cowboys preseason game against Seattle. I don't remember exactly what your tweet was, but it was something like, man, like Brandon and Aubrey can't buy an attempt at a field goal. Like it was the Cooper Rush third down sack. And then it was the interception by Will Greer that every time we kind of got our hopes up that we were going to see something, it just didn't happen. And so I think that that's part of the like anxiety is the the lack of information, but that isn't bad information. You know what I mean? But I, I get that just because they're not synonymous doesn't mean they aren't somewhat related. Yeah, I think you're right on the money there because for me, there's really nothing I can see until week one that's going to calm any of my nerves about Brandon Aubrey. Like, yeah, he has, like Brandon said, he's getting better. Um, the kicks seem to be more consistent as practice has gone on, and and he's made the most of his opportunities through two preseason games. But we just haven't even seen him make a you know anything other than a PAT in in a competitive situation. So really, until we get to week one, and you know, you know, the offense stalls out, and he has to make like a 43, 44 yard field goal or something, uh, like where I'm gonna be able to like calm down a little bit. So it's probably not fair to him, and I understand that they seem to have a lot of trust in him and, and, and bones fossil seems to like him. So um, he's obviously earned his opportunity, but it's going to be tough for me personally to kind of settle my nerves until I see it. So um, I put this comment on the screen a moment ago, Kevin took two points away from you, Brandon, and both Brandon and Helmut. Now that we can tabulate these, like in the moment, now that we have the technology, you can lose points like this um, in, in a much more concise way. So uh, you will lose those. Brandon uh, Rick notes that Aubrey hit a 50 yard field goal today. Ethan also did give you five points, Brandon. So, you know, overall, you're kind of, you know, in the black on three. Speaking of three, uh, Kevin gave Brandon Aubrey B3 level of points to Tony. It says we just haven't seen enough. That's kind of the boat that I fall in. Uh, I wrote an article that I'll head out on Wednesday um, at our site. Um, and I, this isn't like I'm not arguing this, but I just was sort of bringing it up for discussion. Does everybody remember Cade York? Remember that we like losing our minds about Cade York a year ago? So Cade York this year in the preseason. Anybody know how he's doing? Anybody have any idea off the top of your head? That's well, right? He has missed half of his six field goal attempts. So he's yeah. three for six on field goal attempts. All right. That's why you draft a kicker, though. I mean, <laughs> so, okay, but along those lines, okay, Cowboys didn't draft Cade York. Ah, oh, shucks, but it worked out Brett Maher before it didn't. Jake Moody, got to have Jake Moody, got to have Jake Moody. You take Mozzie Smith, you take Luke Schoonmaker, you're going to get the third Wolverine in the third round. No, 49ers beat you to it. We were all pissed off. Anybody know how Jake Moody's doing right now so far? And this is just preseason games, not uh, practices, which we're hyping up Brandon R before to be clear. Anybody know about Jake Moody? I think it's 60% right now, right? He is 60%. He has made three of his five field goals, and he has missed one extra point. And he actually um, kind of 
in a fun way, um, you'll appreciate this helmet. I don't know if you saw it. He blamed Taylor Swift for it. He said he didn't have an opportunity uh, to kick at Levi Stadium uh, before this past week, and that was his first again opportunity to kick on the field because of all the concerts that have been happening or happening at the at the venue. Uh, one more option here: uh, Michael Badgley, when he was you know available, everybody was like, "Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe." Uh, he missed four kicks in practice today for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, so, like, my point isn't you know, oh man, the Cowboys have an amazing kicker. But I do think that, like, I, I think there's a consensus of people who are like, this stinks because it isn't Justin Tucker. And so they want to make a move for the sake of making a move when all the people who we've, like, opined for haven't really worked out. So did we calm you down, Helm? Not really. And oh, I, I think, like, <laughs> I mean, I, to, to your point, though, like, yeah, I, I understand that they're not, like, Justin Tucker's not walking into this building. But the Cowboys kind of put themselves in this position when they decided to let Brett Maher go. I mean, he was excellent all year long. And he had really just that one game in the playoffs. And the fact that it happened to be on national television, everybody saw it. Everybody was roasting for roasting them for it. Like, I feel like they kind of overreacted to that move. And they very easily could have just brought him back. And they could have still brought in Brandon Aubrey. They still could have had a, a competition and seen how he kind of responded with a full offseason to go through those issues. But they didn't. And they said, you know, those, those 17 games where he was one of the best kickers, not named Justin Tucker, they threw that out the window and now we're in this in this room where we've got a guy who only has two years of professional football under his belt and we're saying well we haven't even seen what he can actually do and uh, you know with with the history that the Cowboys have had the last couple of years with the kicker situation um you know it, it's it's a little bit of a battered fan syndrome where you're not going to believe in him until you actually see it happen and we haven't seen it happen yet um Skyler Amela I think it's Amela might be Amaya so apologies Skyler says I think we're putting too much thought into the kicker position it can go both ways on the drop of a dime Maher was money all year until it mattered Kevin uh you know took away five points from you Hammond sorry said it wasn't just a game he missed extra points in his last three games at Dallas although Skyler pushed that for you and gave five points so um and by the way Skyler called you Hallman but then noted that it was voice text uh so that's what happened there uh, in case anybody was curious um again I I, I agree with you, Hellman, that like it was unfortunate that Brett Maher had to go, but I think we all agree he had to go. Like it was just a, it was a really unique situation, and plus he kind of has stunk it up a little bit with the Broncos, and I feel badly for him because I would love to see him work it out, you know, for the sake of his career. But I mean, the Cowboys have kind of been proven right to this tiny little part in the preseason, but um, it is what it is. An update on the scoreboard: uh, Tony and Brandon each sit at six points. Hellman, you were about to be down back at zero with that loss of five, but the push helped you stay at five. Uh, so that's where we stand. Let's go to Brandon. What is your biggest concern about the Dallas Cowboys at this exact moment in time? So at this exact moment in time, I, I my biggest issue is there's so much talent on this roster. There's there's so much depth that we're going to see some guys that I feel like are going to make other rosters better across the NFL. I, there's a guy that I really like, uh, Isaiah Land. And uh, Halman knows how I feel about Isaiah Land. He's one of my guys. But, it, you know, my, like the, the most important thing is it, it surrounds the quarterback. So you're either going to have a good quarterback, you're going to protect the quarterback, or you're going to get after the quarterback. And a guy like Isaiah Lang gets after the quarterback at a very high level, and he's, he's put a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks in the preseason. So that's just one rough example of, of a guy that, you know, he could be on the chopping block because there might be other needs. They may go heavy to other positions. So, you know, guys, guys like him, there could be, uh, you know, hopefully I think Wanya Davis or Wanya Thomas is safe at this point. Uh, maybe Malik Davis, maybe not so much. So there's guys that are possible, you know, cuts that won't make it back to the practice squad. 
and help other teams this coming year. So that's kind of keeping me, you know, on edge a little bit. And, you know, that's my, that's my biggest concern right now is just seeing all this talent that we have that we're not going to be able to keep everybody. So Brandon, your biggest concern is the Cowboys are too good. Basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's your, <laughs> Yep. okay. So Brandon, and in case anybody is curious, Brandon's taken the over on everything uh, in 2023. <laughs> Um, wow. Uh, I mean, that's a really up. So like you have no fears, I guess, is, is my question. No, I don't. I wouldn't say I don't have any fears. I feel like when you mentioned biggest concerns, like there's minor concerns, like, like Howman mentioned the kicking position. Like to me, it's more, it's more of an, you know, inexperience factor versus the lack of talent. And then for example, obviously the linebacker position is a little tough with Overshown being out for the season. But for me, like for the linebacker position, for example, I trust that Dan Quinn is going to get the best out of his players and whatever he has at linebacker and or he goes heavy at safety to, you know, to make up that deficit. So I, I really trust the coaching staff to to make those adjustments. So for me, that's in and I'm not I'm not afraid to say this. I feel like the Cowboys are easily a 13 win team this year. You know, and, and even I think Chris Holland's even more more above that right now. I think he said 14 on this real this uh, this morning. So him and I are very high on the team this year. So that to me, it's just, we have so much talent that I'm just afraid we're going to lose some guys to other teams. Like, like, you know, even like a Ridgeway last year, like who misses Ridgeway? I, I, you know, I mean, yes, Mozzie's here. I get that. But when the Cowboys let him go and, 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 you know, he played well with the commanders, that's, that was kind of a slap in the face a little bit. So that's kind of where I'm at with this team. It's just so talented that, you know, we're going to lose some quality players. Um, you, um, it was an interesting reaction from the crowd. I'll say that Brandon. Uh, so Ruse gave you five points that land is going to make another team better. Um, so, okay. You and Mike said plus five to Brandon for that take Danny Phantom, perhaps the mole, um, here, uh, took five points away for the Michael Scott answer. Uh, so still coming out positive here. Um, and Rick Ursulini said plus five Brandon for land. Um, so again, you know, I'm letting Howman and Tony know, play the work, the crowd, the crowd likes optimism. You know what I mean? I'm just letting you guys know for the rest of the show. Um, and Kevin, uh, Brandon took away one point said on the Aubrey comment, don't worry. It's just one kind of like an extra point. So I'll tabulate that, um, while you go and start here, Tony, um, remember positivity reigns supreme, I guess. Uh, but biggest concern about the Dallas Cowboys in your mind. Yeah. Going third. I thought that there was no chance that one of my two biggest concerns were going to get snatched up here. And I, Dave, you know, Howman did, you know, mention the kicker and that's number two for me, but my biggest concern going into the season is the overall offensive line depth. You know, I, I like what we have for starting five offensive linemen. If, they stay healthy but it's a huge if and we're talking about tyron smith who you know is notoriously hurt and we have terrence Steele, who's coming off of a you know tony cl and, and a bad knee so there is a lot of variables there that i'm nervous about because when i came into the season i said it on the first and ten podcast a lot like i was certain that you know matt well let's go and matt farniark are, are two guys that we can trust you know some you know second year player third year player come in and that's kind of established now it's like okay maybe it's josh ball maybe it's tj bass like who, who's going to be the next up like who where is this depth going to come from and and you know i could be wrong in my sentiment in this but i feel like with so many possible pieces it almost feels like they just don't know who it is yet right like i thought it was two guys but it could be one of four or five different dudes so um and we've seen kind of what this offensive line looks like in these preseason games. Cooper Rush kind of fighting for his life a little bit. Will Greer running a little bit. And it's not completely fair and not everything is, you know, 
across the board, you know, copacetic in that sense. But I, I'm just worried if one guy goes down, and I know it's a league-wide problem, and everyone has offensive line depth issues, but I just, you know, as far as if I'm going to take the route that Brandon does, this team's so good, I would hate for one injury to derail everything. So I just feel like something on the offensive line could really hurt us. Uh, the offensive line situation does feel a little bit like, um, like, you know, when you don't know what you're going to make for dinner and you're like, oh, we have stuff, but you don't have stuff for like a meal. You know what I mean? Like you, you just have like random things. And so you're like, well, we'll eat like a half a bowl of cereal and like a, a graham cracker. Uh, we have some carrots and ranch dressing. You know what I mean? So you're just like filling your body with whatever kind of food you possibly can. Uh, Tony, that was a very popular answer in the crowd. I'm going to have to do some serious math here. Uh, so first of all, Danny Phantom says plus five for anyone who gives Josh Ball any credit. Danny Phantom actually wrote about offensive line depth issues at the site. Everybody should go read it, bloggingtheboys.com. Hit a very uh, in, in, in helpful graphic at the bottom uh, that was kind of like, this is the potential offensive line if Tyron Smith gets hurt, if Tyler Smith gets hurt, if Tyler Biagis gets hurt. So everybody go check that out at Blogging the Boys. Uh, so those five points are up for grabs. Uh, Richard has given you five points, Tony. He says O-line is the only answer. Ethan offered 20 points. Um, says that's where the worry is. We'll see if, if you're able to take all 20. Uh, Kevin says five points, Tony. O-line depth is a concern. Uh, but at the same time, when you play nothing but backups and no starters, it's kind of hard to judge them. Teamwork is such a huge part of O-line play. Uh, Brian took away five points for Brandon for missing obvious flaws. Took away three for Halman for the kicker as the biggest issue and gave Tony five for finally getting to the offensive line. So that was that was a big bomb right there, Tony. That was a, a double kind of scoop. Uh, Brian's comment was uh, Rick offered uh, five points to Tony. Uh, Brandon, I won't take these away from you. Or Brian, uh, Ethan took 10 points from Brian for making me do some math. So I have a lot of math to do. Uh, but Halman, I, my vibe on, on you has been that you're a little bit less concerned about the offensive line than anybody else. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, um, I, I, I would say probably just a little less because I don't think it's like the biggest concern, but it's, I think it's up there as a concern. Um, I do like the, the analogy you were getting there, RJ, with the, off, the backup offensive line being the girl dinner of this, of this football team. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I actually, it's kind of good timing because I have an article coming out about how the issues that they, the Cowboys have with their offensive line depth really aren't that big of a deal. And I don't want to give too much away because y'all y'all want to come and read the whole thing. But um, I think that uh, basically what we what we've been doing is we're seeing five backups playing together, and that's not the deal if they have to come in and play during the season. It's going to be one backup coming in and playing behind two between two established starters. You know, if if Tyron Smith goes down, you figure they're probably kicking Tyler Smith back out to left tackle. Someone's coming in and playing between the two Tylers, you feel good about having two established guys on either side. You know, if, if something happens at, you know, right tackle and Matt Walesko has to come in, he's playing next to a future Hall of Famer. So, you know, uh, I think it was Kevin in the comments mentioned, like teamwork is such a huge part of O-line play, and that's absolutely right. And when you've got five guys that don't play a whole lot, don't have a whole lot of experience, and they're all playing together, of course, they're going to look less than stellar. But the reality is once we get into the season, if we have to call on the offensive line backups to come in, it's just going to be one guy. It's going to be one guy coming in, playing next to guys that are already in a groove. And it's it's not going to be as big of a deal as, as what we've seen in these preseason games. So I'm not saying there's absolutely nothing to worry about. It is kind of concerning that some of these guys, especially, uh, well, let's go in Farniak have, you know, struggled as much as they have, especially because, you know, with Farniak, he's been around. He's he's actually started some games for the Cowboys, um, but I think overall, it, a lot of it has been diluted by the fact that these are just a bunch of guys 
that don't have a whole lot of reps under their belt. Uh, let me be very clear that I liked your answer, Hellman. I think it's fair, um, especially to kind of approach this, you know, um, this preseason period with a grain of salt, right? Like this, these are not the offensive line we're going to be seeing on a, on a weekly basis. Granted that that doesn't diminish their potential value or potential importance, uh, but the crowd did not like it. Um, Skyler took away five points. Um, so people think that I rigged this game against Tony. So just remember that and how this crowd is, is reacting. Um, Richard then gave my dog five points for barking during what was apparently categorized as a bad answer. Howman. So not five points from you, but five points against you in a different manner. Uh, Kevin though, did offer you three points Said solid answer. It was a nice field goal on that answer. Have to wonder if Aubrey could have made the kick and Ethan gave you five points for the explanation. So I will tabulate that as I do. Brandon, your thoughts on the offensive line overall. I think this is the consensus issue that, see, Tony knows how to work the crowd too. Tony knows a lot of people are worried uh, about the offensive line. So that's why he threw this wide net out. Uh, but how do you feel? Or, I mean, again, are you like, hey, I'm not worried. If the Cowboys have to cut Matt, well, let's go. The Patriots are going to sign him and he's going to start 17 games for them no matter what. Okay, I'm going to stick with the optimism train because that's, you know, that's my, that's kind of my thing. So, you know, Hellman, Hellman, you know, made some great points there. And, and yes, obviously there's certain concerns with the offensive line, but to me, it's not a dire need. I, I know, I think, I, I feel like, no offense to the audience, I feel like you're overacting a little bit. No offense. That's just, that's just the way I feel about it. The, the, the Cowboys, I, you know, I tabulate, you know, at least I could see 10 guys making the roster. And, and obviously you had your starting five of, you know, the Smiths, you got Tyler Biotis, you got obviously the, you know, Martin's back in the fold. They got the contract done, so he's ready to go. So that was obviously if – if he wasn't there and he wasn't signed at this point, I'd be a little more concerned. But we have the Hall, future Hall of Famer back in the lineup. You got Terrence Steele. And you know what? You know, and I know Danny Phantom loves him from Josh Ball. And, and, and to be honest, that you know, I've been drinking that Kool-Aid as, as well lately because Josh Ball, I feel like he was, he was a turnstile at the tackle position because I feel like on his outside shoulders, he's not effective. But when he's inside and he's got his shoulders, you know, covered – I think he's he's got the size, he's got the skill, and he's to me he's been the he's been the best uh, backup uh, guard on on the team uh, right now. He's to me he's the third guard. I think he's he's the guy. If God forbid something happens in te- in the interior at the guard position, I think he takes over as a, as a starter. And, and you know what I you know I can't believe I'm saying this, but you know a few weeks ago I probably you know I'd probably you know pinch myself for saying this, but you know I'm actually feeling comfortable about Josh Ball as a guard, and then. A guy like TJ Bass, you know, he's also a guy, you know, undrafted out of Oregon. He's a heck of a talent. He's one of the guys that, you know, he could make the team. He might not make the team. But he's one of those guys that I think has a future as a Dallas Cowboy. And I think he could be a Cowboy for a long time. You know, that's the that's the inside. And then you also have, well, let's go. I think that's, you know, obviously he's got the shoulder situation. So that's obviously something to monitor. But I like a Sim Richards. I think he's I think he's got a lot of talent. You know, I know Danny, Danny's a big offensive line guy. So I, I, I saw a lot of his stuff on there and, and I know he's a big Richards guy. So, and I trust Danny's opinion on, on the offensive line and, you know, watching the film and going back and, you know, thank God for the NFL plus, because I can go back and watch a ton of film and, and watch it in such a short time. You know, Richards is a guy that he's, he's one of those guys that he's not going to start obviously at this stage of the game, but I think eventually he could be developing to not only, you know, a, a good bench player, but all potential spot starter if needed. So for me, yeah, you know, the fans, you know, the fans out there might be a little nervous about the offensive line. I'm really not. I, I think I think we're in good shape in that in, in that department. Um, I went ahead and gave Brandon the five points that Danny kind of left out to be claimed for Josh Ball. Nobody else, you know, volunteered to to do it, but Brandon did. So he picked up five points that were laying on the ground. Howman and Tony, you were too good for them. Uh, so just to be clear, this is where we're at. 
Tony with a commanding lead of 46 points. So we saw Danny, the aforementioned Danny Phantom, blow a big lead last week. So, you know, Tony don't feel safe. Brandon, you've got 20 points. How many you are sitting on 15? I will say uh, that Brian took five points away from you, uh, Brandon, for, you know, pumping up Josh Ball. I'm going to... I'm going to not do that because I think Josh Ball has played well. I mean, if we're if we're evaluating Josh Ball, the football player, Josh Ball, the guard for the Cowboys, has played well through the preseason. I recognize we're being extremely specific with what we're evaluating there, but I don't think it's fair to, you know, say, hey, you know, five points just for pumping up because he has been one of the better players. In fact, this is my final question along the offensive line. Oh, who is the offensive lineman, I guess, if it isn't Josh Ball, for all of you that you stand, that is a reserve player right now for them? A non like who who's the non-starter that you're like hell yeah I'm pumped that dude's on this team. TJ Bass. TJ Bass for sure. Yeah. Awesome. So the undrafted free agent. That's, <laughs> that's just, yeah, great. Hey, awesome. do, you, do you know why TJ Bass is the one I stand the most? Because well, it, this is a, this is a format of a show where you would explain that. <laughs> of all the Cowboys offensive linemen that have played in the preseason, he's the only one that hasn't given up a single pressure through two games. And it's not because he hasn't been playing. He's seventh among all linemen and snaps played, pass blocking snaps played. He's been playing clean. And in the, the scrimmage that they were doing today, right before we started, someone else pointed out that they were kind of rotating um, Zach Martin, Tyron Smith, kind of getting them some vet rest in between. And when they did that, TJ Bass was the guard that came in and was getting work with the ones. So it seems like the Cowboys are noticing that he's the one who's, who's really stepped up the most. They're giving him extra reps. I think he's he's probably at this point he's likely a lock to be making the roster, and I think that makes me feel even better about the offensive line depth because of the level that he's played at throughout the preseason. Wow, I got to I got to I got to jump in there, uh, Hallman. You're you're uh, you're jumping on the the TJ Bass bandwagon. I know you were kind of uh, you know you were kind of back and forth with it on the writers' block today, so I'm I'm glad it looks like I'm swaying you a little bit. TJ TJ Bass is one of those guys. He, he was he was a multi-year starter at multi-year in multi-positions along the offensive line at Oregon, and he, in my opinion, I, I thought he was a draftable player. Anyways, how he became an undrafted free agent is is beyond me. But the the, the kid was a very good player in the Pac-12 at Oregon, and again, you know, that was a really good offensive line. And I think I think he was one of the better players on that offensive line. You know, he he's not flashy. He may not have the the athletic traits of a, of a Austin Richards that I know a lot of people are, are really high on at this point, or well, let's go. But to me, he he does the he does the technical things. He 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 has it he has it up here in his in his brain. He he knows how to read he knows how to read the defensive line. He knows how to read defensive players. He he has all the intangibles. He's a, he's strong. He's a pretty strong guy. He's got great size. To me, he he checks those boxes. And I think I think Mike McCarthy he sees what you know what I've been seeing in T.J. Bass because you know even months back when the Cowboys picked him up, he was one of the guys that I highlighted as somebody to look out for as an undrafted free agent. You know that that should make this that could make this team and and I feel like that's coming to fruition. He's just a talented dude. And yeah, I get RJ. I know the tongue in cheek with the whole undrafted thing, but here's the thing: the, the Cowboys have found a lot of undrafted gems over the years. You know, so you know there's a there's a long list of players that you know we we all know and love that were undrafted that played pretty well for the Cowboys. You know, even a guy like Tony Romo, Miles San or Miles Austin. You know, guys like that. So for me, it, you know, T.J. Bass is, is is the other guy that I really like. So. Uh, that's why I'm not as uh, nervous about the offensive line situation as many of our uh, of our uh, lovely fans uh, think.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, just to kind of clean up here, Rick offered Brandon five points for his explanation, uh, his initial kind of defense of his point. Danny uh, took five away from me uh, for continually bringing up that he blew a big lead last week. Um, it did happen. Um, Skyler, Brandon took away five points. I want to do this, Steve, for the way you said Oregon, um, like Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slate, incentive of a woman. That's the way you said it, uh, which was interesting. The Oregon as opposed to Oregon. So interesting. Uh, Excuse me, I'm from New York. My bad. Uh, I don't think that's where Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slate was from. Although I really don't know um, where that movie took place. Um, if I think about it. But anyway, Ethan has given Halman and Brandon both ten points for basically defending the point that they had initially. Tony. Halman and, and Brandon both picked up points just for explaining their points. You didn't get that benefit of the doubt, yeah. which is kind of interesting. Uh, you know, I think I, I, th- I think I let my initial answer speak for itself, and it may not pl- play well in the with the jury of my peers here, but I- I'm going to stand on what I said, and I feel feel good about it. Yeah, Tony, you're almost being penalized for having like a good answer at first. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. for for not having the need to defend it. To double uh, back on it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, all right. So um, this is where we're at here. Halfway through Tony still sitting on 46. Brandon has climbed all the way up to 40. I told you guys it can happen in a hurry. Howman way back at 33, but you never know. It is a long game. Smallest concerns about the Dallas Cowboys at the moment. Tony, you haven't had the chance to pick up some points. So let's get you out here. Open your arms and catch whatever the sky rains down. Um, to be fair, to be clear about the game. This has to be a concern. This has to be something that does bother you, but just in, in the sense that it barely registers on the, the measurement system. So it is the smallest possible concern, but it is it is a, a, a net in your face nonetheless. So, all right. So it, I, I thought of this initially a little differently when you when you presented it, but it still works. I'm going to stick to what I'm saying. My, okay, smallest, <laughs> my smallest concern is quarterback one Dak Prescott. Right. I mean, I think that in both ways, if you ask me this question, like, what are you least concerned about? It'd probably be Dak Prescott in this Texas Coast offense. But in the same breath of how you presented it now, like, OK, I'm still even the slightest bit concerned because of you know the interceptions last year. And we know that a lot of it was tip balls. A lot of it was just a lot of unluckiness. But, you know, what if that unluckiness, you know, projects into this year and it's like, OK, this is the pattern or this is the new way. I don't really think it's going to be like that. That's why it's my absolute smallest concern. And I wasn't overly concerned about it. But everything we've seen with Mike McCarthy, the way he's calling plays, the way they're talking about this offense, um, just the, the work that they're putting in, that Brandon Cook's in the fold, Jalen Tolbert's development. I, I just think all the recipe and well, all the pieces for the recipe is in place for, for Dak Prescott to have one of his best seasons, if not the best season he could have. So my concern level is – you know, just like anybody else, when you have a quarterback who has never won the big game, we haven't even made it to an NFC championship game who has been injured over the what the last three seasons in a row. So there's small concern there. Um, we have seen 
it not come to fruition for us. I mean, he's you know, 30 years old now, and, and most people look at that number as like this daunting figure. So um, there is a little bit of concern when it comes to our quarterback one, but it's like I said, it's the smallest thing that I'm worried about right now, but it's in the back of my mind. Mm, that's interesting. That's kind of a, a weird admission. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I do, I am afraid of this, you know, like I am afraid of clowns, you know what I mean? Type of thing. Like, but you know, that's uh, Kevin has, has taken five points away from you for this answer. Stack has thrown 10 or more interceptions in three out of the last four years. The one year he didn't, he played five games and threw four. Dak needs to earn uh, the not worrying about interceptions. Ethan says, I agree with that take Tony 10 points. Uh, so you picked up five as an overall push. Uh, Hellman, is what Tony said fair, or did he just kind of lead us down this weird path, and now we have no idea how he got here? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was a little bit of a weird path to go down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I, I, I get that there's, you know, a lot of talk about Dak Prescott this offseason, and, I mean, there's always been all this, all this noise around him for whatever reason, this, you know, former fourth-round pick that nobody really paid attention to until week one of his rookie year. You know, he just generates so much, uh, so many polarized opinions about him. Uh, maybe it has something to do with the star on his helmet. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, he, he, we know what he is at this point. He's very much established the kind of player he is. That's why I think a lot of people have, didn't really get too worked up. People that knew what they were talking about didn't get too worked up about the interceptions because they know throughout his career he does not throw a whole lot of interceptions. Um, I think that, you know, obviously he hasn't gotten to that level, but keep in mind, I mean, how long did it take Peyton Manning to win his first Super Bowl? And there were, you know, everybody knows that Peyton Manning was just on another level, just an incredible quarterback. So sometimes it just takes a little bit of time, you know, as far as like coaches go, Andy Reid has been one of the best coaches for a long time. It took him a very long time in his career to, to win a Super Bowl, you know, winning games in the NFL is tough going all the way to the Super Bowl and winning it is tough and there's a lot of other really good teams out there I don't think that's something that should really drag down Dak Prescott's perception um you know but the the one thing that does kind of concern me that Tony mentioned was the age factor because just like with Tony Romo you're kind of getting to this point where how long can the Cowboys keep that window open with their quarterback um and you know it kind of feels like the Cowboys maybe let down Tony Romo a little bit um, I'm hoping that they, they don't go down that road again with Dak Prescott because I really think he's something special. But, you know, every, every year that passes and seeing that thing about how he's, you know, the longest tenured quarterback with his team just blew my mind. It feels like the time flew by and makes me just that much more worried about getting things done in this window of opportunity. Yeah, Brandon, um, a lot of things changed quickly. The kind of old guard of, of quarterbacks all started to leave the NFL right as Dak Prescott entered. So he's he's kind of, you know, just in the middle of this Venn diagram, uh, but closer to one side of it, obviously, than the other. Uh, it's well documented that he's the, the longest tenured starting quarterback in the NFL at this point in time at the old age of 30 uh, that Tony brought up, obviously. Um, it's fair. I think we all agree it's fair to have some concerns, but I think we all agree that the like polarization of Dak Prescott is that it's like highest level of prowess that or higher than it's ever been uh, these days. So that magnifies things. And then then the arguments become more ridiculous. Even the defenses become more ridiculous. Like there, there is no true kind of fair discussion that ever happens about him because you have somebody in one polar way either propping him up or tearing him down. Yeah, no, that, I mean, Dak is a very polarizing figure. I mean, he's the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, everybody's looking at him. He's got that star on his helmet. He's, you know, he is the guy. He's 
the face of the franchise. But, you know, Tony did make a good point because, you know, the smidgen of, of you know, this concern with Dak Prescott as, as the quarterback is it's not because of his talent, you know, his ability, anything like that. It's, you know, the, you know, Tony Rummel didn't have the luxury of having a complete team. Like he had the offense, the defense wasn't so great. So like, there's no excuse for Dak at this point, as you guys, you know, I'll keep hammering it down. You know, my optimism for this team is very high because this team is very complete. Like on the offensive side, you know, and, and I've said this on, on multiple occasions throughout the off season, I, I'm going to stand pat on this. I would be very surprised if Dak doesn't get 5,000 yards passing this year. That's, that's, just, that's, that's where I'm at. And yes, I know tongue in cheek. Everyone's like, ah, he's, you know, he, that means MVP. Sure. Yeah. I would love that. If that, if it equates to him, you know, leading the Cowboys to the Super Bowl, fantastic. And I'm also going to go on a limb and say, I think he throws over 40 touchdowns this year as well. That's just, I, I'm, I'm very high on Dak this year because this is the this is the best receiver core receiving core that he's had since he's been you know since he's been with the Cowboys and as, as he's the elder statesman among the uh, the quarterbacks on their current team from where they started so he you know you have you have a CD Lamb who's who is going to, he's going to just get more and more talented he's so good already but he's 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 still he's still on that trajectory where he's going to get even better and then you got you know you have Brandon Cooks who's also still doing pretty well he's a, he's a heck of a talent and I think I think he's a guy that's going to have a, a great season. Michael Gallup is, 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 you know, another year removed from the ACL, which, which that, you know, it's, he's going to have some more juice this year. And then you have, you're having this emergence of Jalen Tolbert, who has made some spectacular plays in the preseason. And then Turpin, he showed flashes of what he did at TCU when he was a pretty decent wideout, even though he's a smaller statured guy. So he has the weapons. You got Deuce Vaughn obviously as well. You know, and, and on the defensive side of the ball, they have one of the best units in the league with Dan Quinn as the, as the defensive coordinator. Micah Parsons, obviously, running the charge. Tank Lawrence. It's, there's so many players. that this, this team is just super talented that anything, anything but getting that championship, is, it would be a letdown. And that's, that's my smallest concern that Dak cannot get it done. I think, he, I think inevitably, I think he, he, he gets to that point. I think we're going to get a Super Bowl from, from Dak Prescott in the near future. Tony. Yeah, so that's kind of – I'm glad you say that and gave me a chance to kind of think about my thoughts there in the sense that, um, you know, new offense, right? We we hope and, and think that the Mike McCarthy-led offense is going to be better and it's going to put them in a better situation. We, we know and we've seen some really high-quality play from Dak Prescott, so we don't think the interceptions will be an issue, right? And then, you know, Dak Prescott, with all the talent around him, this year could be the, the year because we have all of this talent. Like you said, it's the most complete team we've had. Can he stay healthy? I mean, we saw week one where that wasn't the case. So, yeah, like when I talk about the concern levels with Dak Prescott, if, if everything is, you know, chalk and he plays 17 games and he's out there, like I'm fairly confident we're going to see one of the better seasons we've seen in a very long time. Like I'm, I'm with you in a lot of instances, Brendan, but we just haven't seen at least one or two of these variables not come true for the last like four or five seasons. And you hit 30 years old and then, you know, he's even said he's thought about being the elder statesman in the room and what that means. And, you know, you haven't won a Super Bowl and what's his legacy look like? And then the rhetoric about him in the national media is just so absurd. It, it just feels like you're going to get attacked for even saying the kid's a good quarterback. Like, and it's at the point where like now you got to defend his honor online. And it's just, it's, it's become so crazy that like my concern level is I believe, and I think most people here at blog and the boys believe that this guy has everything it takes to win a Super Bowl, but 
at some point I want to stop saying that. And I just want to be like, look, he did it. You know, it's done. We, we like, I don't have to say it anymore. I don't have to get into another conversation with an Eagles fan and never has to happen. Like it's done. Um, so this was a great kind of discussion by Tony. So I will award Tony some points in a moment here, uh, but we do have to kind of collect some here. Uh, first of all, Brandon, Danny noted that you are on too many limbs. Uh, so, uh, that's, uh, an interesting kind of note. And by the way, Danny was here last week and we talked about this. Uh, Kevin took five points away, uh, for you saying that, that Dak has the best receiver core that he's ever had. We agreed last week, um, the, the panel here, at least that the 2021 group was better. I think we all like the potential that this year has to offer, but Jalen Tolbert is not a proven commodity yet. I mean, in terms of regular season football, we still don't know what Michael Gallup's going to look like. Heck, we don't even know what Brandon Cooks is going to look like, technically speaking, in this offense, but there is reason to believe I'm with you in that respect. Uh, Ethan gave you 10 points for naming the entire roster. Uh, so so uh, kudos to you there. Uh, Kevin took away a point. Uh, because you are a little bit too bullish on Jalen Tolbert at this point in time. So it turns out we found the limit of positivity and optimism uh, that the chat can handle. Uh, so thank you for flying close enough to the sun for a scientific purpose, Brandon, to teach us all uh, a little bit of a lesson in that sense. Kevin, Tony, you did it. You picked up points on someone else's point. Kevin gave you five points and said at some point you just have to do it. Uh, David Smith took five points away from himself for being late. Uh, so that's where we're at here. Um, Brandon has expressed enormous optimism in this year's Dallas Cowboys, which means he's going to go last as far as his smallest concern about this team at the moment. Uh, so, Halman, what is yours? What, what What is just kind of, you know, in your face a little bit, bothering you just enough to where it's on your radar? Yeah, my my smallest concern and, you know, emphasis on the smallest. Um, your dog already doesn't like my answer. Um, but uh, it, it's one that will probably surprise some people is – my smallest concern is the uh, offensive play calling operation with the changes that they've made. And if you know me, you know that I'm bullish on Mike McCarthy. I'm bullish on him taking over the play calling. He was, you know, he consistently produced, you know, top 10 offenses back when he did it in Green Bay. And a lot, a lot of the changes that we've seen with this offense since he took over, since Brian Schottenheimer came in as the non-play calling offensive coordinator, I think are very much trending the right way and look positive and they're keeping what worked under Kellen Moore and changing what didn't. Um, but I do kind of question how that operation actually translates once we get into the season and everything's kind of flying at you. Mike McCarthy has often talked about how one of the reasons he kept Kellen Moore on as the offensive coordinator and let him keep calling the plays was he wanted him to be able to manage the whole team. And that was a criticism that was commonly levied at him in Green Bay was he was so focused on running the offense. He was so focused on calling the plays that a lot of times he overlooked things with the defense. There were, there were problems there. There were problems on special teams, and he wanted to be able to manage the whole team. And so now we've got him taking over the play calling, and what happens when, you know, the season begins and there's a, you know, God forbid there's an issue with the kicker or there's injuries on defense, and, you know, now he's got to kind of delegate to some of the other guys or or he's got to take a step back on the offensive side. And then also, you know, you, we, we've talked a lot of, uh, throughout the offseason about all the hires they've made on the analytics side, and it looks like they're going to be incorporating more analytics into their game day operations. So now he's got a whole bunch more information flying his way in addition to being the offensive play caller. And I just worry, you know, is he going to be like drinking from the faucet? Is it going to get to a point of the season where maybe that kind of distracts him from his play calling duties and he's trying to do too much at once? Um, again, like he, he's a, he's a professional. He's been around for a very long time, did it for 13 years in green Bay, won a Super Bowl. I think he can probably do it, but at the same time, you know, the spotlight's a lot brighter in Dallas than it was in green Bay. 
And if I had to pick my smallest, smallest, smallest concern, that would be it. I think that's fair. And I think that's my answer too. Although Tony, you convinced me on, on your answer being a thing. So kudos to you for that. But I agree with you, Halman, in that. Um, and to be like clear, I'm happy about this. I, I mean, I've said many times to you all, if, if we went the entire Mike McCarthy era without ever seeing him call plays, it would have been so stupid and it would have been dumb and it would have been a waste of time. Um, and so, like, I hate using the phrase all in, but I mean, I think we agree this team is all in on Mike McCarthy. Like, they're, they're willing to kind of live and die the Mike McCarthy way. And so, like, to your point, Hammond, I'm just kind of scared that that's, like, not the best way in the world. And if it's not, then you won't win the Super Bowl. And we all agree especially Brandon, that this team is immensely talented. Um, and so if they burn it because they they put everything on one dude, and to your point, Hammond, he might even be an amazing play caller, but that uh, could, could oversaturate his responsibilities and he's no longer able to handle this, that, or the other. Um, he doesn't have the the leadership around as far as you know coaching that he did that first year when we loved how many former head coaches he brought in, things like that. Um, I, I agree with you. That's the butterfly effect or the butterfly that could land on top of the like super delicate pyramid and be the final, just little bit of weight that could send everything tumbling down. Uh, Brandon, do you have any concerns about Mike McCarthy or have you already carved his bus for the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Uh, not yet for the bus. I don't have a, I'm not that artistic. I can't even draw a stick figure the correct way. So I'm going to pump the brakes on that just, just a little bit, but I, I am, I am optimistic with, obviously I'll keep with my theme tonight. I'm very optimistic with uh, Mike McCarthy taking things over. And I've said this before, Mike McCarthy, you know, he, with the, the amount of talent on this team this year, he, he, he needs to make, this team needs to make a deep run or he's out the door. Uh, someone's going to be kicking him out the door pretty quick. So um, I, I'm, I think he's going to put, uh, you know, he's going to put his pedal to the metal. And I think we're going to see some things on offense that we haven't seen before. I think we're going to see some, some wrinkles. Yeah. I, I get the analytics side of it. I'm not, you know, I'm not the biggest analytics guy like, like Halman is, but, you know, I, I respect the effort that the, that the Cowboys are doing in that department. They're trying different things. And, and to me, that tells me that, you know, Mike McCarthy and, and the entire Cowboys organization are really are going all in to make this happen. So I think Mike McCarthy, he's going to, you know, he's going to go, you know, go as hard as he can and, and obviously do the best he can, because I think if he doesn't get, get to at least the NFC championship game, I think he's, I think he's out of Dallas. That's just where I'm at. So it, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of how my feeling on Mike McCarthy I'm confident in his ability, but it's still obviously to be determined to see how it actually impacts the team this year. I brought this up before, but I'll bring it up now, Brandon. Like, I'm, I'm, I love you, Brandon, but I hate that idea. I hate that take that, like, if he doesn't get to the NFC Championship game, like, he's out. What if they lose the division around game because of a weird penalty? like a weird call. Like, are, are we firing him because he didn't make it to the NFC Championship game? Like, what, 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 what if Dak Prescott gets hurt in the division around? You know what I mean? Like, what if, what if a weird, what if it rains? What if there's a hur you know, hurricane force winds and that's why they lose? Like, you know, like that's why. Like, I don't, I think it's really unfair to to draw this line and he has to cross it and like completely strip that away of context. I mean, hold on, let me, let me, let me jump in on that. So, so to me, it's adapt and overcome. If you're a head coach in the NFL, you have to learn to, you know, with the challenges that your team has. So, if, you know, if that goes down, okay, it's next man up. That's that's the whole thing with 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 football. Next man up, Cooper Rush. He steadied the ship. He won those games. He played very well. So to me, like, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, the weather, you, you adjust to the weather. And actually, if it's bad weather, you, you got some running backs that can hand the, you know, you can hand the ball to. So there's adjustments that can be made. So for me, and, and I think a lot of the fan base, you know, I've talked to a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, our, you know, a lot of our fans out there. 
And, and to be honest with you, it it is it is to that point where okay, we bet you know we've been twelve and five the last couple seasons, which yeah, that's great. Regular season, twelve wins. That's that's great. You know we're we're you know we're doing things that most teams aren't doing, but that's in the regular season. We're at the point and we're starving as an organization and as a fan base for Super Bowls. At this point, if you're if you're not taking steps to advance yourself, even if it isn't to the Super Bowl, but it's the NFC Championship and there's still some progression there, to me that's you know that that's that's on Mike McCarthy at this point. And and to me, it, it would be it would be a shame, you know, barring anything out of the you know something absolutely crazy happening. But given the talent on this roster and and, and how things have been assembled from a coaching staff all around, that they don't get to the NFC Championship game at a minimum. Yeah, if that doesn't happen, and yes, they, you know, yeah, Dak, you know, something happens. I just, happens with I think Dak. that, like, again, you're you're stripping away like all the information that we would know. Like, they they fell short of the NFC Championship game a year ago as road underdogs. Like, were they big losers for not pulling that off? You know what I mean? Like, it sometimes you're, it's just hard. You know what I mean? Like, and so like we're gonna get pissed off if he's a game away from the NFC Championship game two years in a row. Yeah, I I absolutely am going to be. It, it's. Uh... As, as so then, what, like, so he he's he's done ninety nine percent of the job, so to speak. But like, you're gonna fire him for doing that two years in a row and go get who to accomplish the whole hundred percent? Urban Meyer. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Yeah, Urban Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> Urban Meyer. Not a, yeah, that's oh god, that's funny. Dan Quinn. That's that's the guy. Dan Quinn's the guy. If if Mike McCarthy does not get to that point, I'm sorry. This is a results business. And Are I, you I moving on from Dak if he doesn't get to that point? No, it probably isn't going to be Dak's fault. That's, what that's the hell can you? How can you say it probably isn't going to be Dak's fault, but it's definitely Mike McCarthy's fault? Like, how can you assign this hypothetical context to Dak and none to Mike McCarthy? I think I think McCarthy sometimes the way he calls games are is questionable. And, we and don't know how he calls games. We have like literally no data on this. His, yet. his situ his situational awareness with coaching has not been great. We've seen that over the years. This, Come on now, guys. Uh, Danny Phantom. Danny Phantom has paraphrased your exact point uh, very well. Uh, shout out to Danny Phantom here. Says, I have full confidence in McCarthy, but if he loses in the playoffs, he's got to go. And he noted that you have fallen off of your limbs here, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, like, you can't be like, he's amazing. He's awesome. He's doing all these things that most teams in the NFL aren't doing. But if he doesn't do this one incredibly difficult thing, he's got to go. He's a loser. He's a, so he's so it's okay to just to be like yeah twelve and five we're great with regular no season but we don't no like season. that's what, that's what we're I'm not saying anything's okay because we have no idea what would have potentially happened Kevin brings up this point says if we don't get to the Super Bowl wouldn't that mean Quinn's defense wasn't good enough as well what if the Cowboys lost in the divisional round fifty one to forty nine are we firing Mike McCarthy over that Tony you raised your hand yeah I, I will just say like I think we're minimizing because of the thirst for a Super Bowl, like the context of what back-to-back 12 and five seasons for the Thank first you, time. And, Go you know, I, my thing is like, yes, ultimately we all want to win the Super Bowl. And if we're not going to make it to that point, it's really frustrating. But I think RJ, I've even seen you say this, maybe it might've been you, but it's like, if you can continue to go 12 and five and be a playoff team every single year, you're just giving yourself more cracks at it. And we have a coach who has proven now to, if, if, if everything is kosher and his, and his quarterback doesn't break his leg, like we got a competitive, we got a good football team. We got a, a well-rounded team. Like you mentioned, like, yes, uh, you would like to see that, that you get pushed over the edge here, but I'm from being a, a Cowboys fan during the dark years. I want to be on a team that we can pencil in for double digit wins, you know, compete for the division, get into a playoff and just keep swinging and keep chopping at it. Cause eventually it's either going to work or it isn't, but at least I would rather have a shot at it every single year. Uh, Brandon, Andy Reed, when he arrived in Kansas city, 
went 11 and 5, 9 and 7, 11 and 5, and 12 and 4, and 10 and 6. He went five straight years with no Super Bowl before Patrick Mahomes, although he was obviously there as a rookie in 2017, but didn't play. We all know that story. I mean, like, was he worth firing? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, was he worth firing? Because to Tony's point, they finally broke through. Mike McCarthy's Packers are an example of, of breaking through, being around, taking it. You know, just if you're hanging out, hanging out, you have enough opportunities in the tournament. Eventually, fate will smile upon you. Like, that's kind of the general theory. Like, that's why, like, I'm not saying Mike McCarthy's 100% safe. But I think it's – I don't think it's fair to say if he doesn't reach the NFC Championship game, he's got to go because we have no idea how that could have possibly happened at this point in time. I'll, I'm just going to – I'll just counter by this. I'll just say it one more time. It's a results-based business. The Cowboys have. And why didn't you fire him last year? Like, why? Why are you confident in him now if he didn't get to the NFC Championship game last year? I feel like you know, you know, if you have twelve and five back-to-back years, I feel like that gives you enough juice. But if you keep winning twelve and five and not get to the Super Bowl, so if you're twelve and five two years in a row, it's good. If you're twelve and five three years in a row and you don't get to the Super Bowl, you're a loser. Not exactly a loser. I'm just, I'm just saying. (laughs) 12 and five is great for the regular season, but if we're going to consistently get knocked out in the divisional round, like it, it, there's going to be been knocked time. down by the best play caller in the NFL and one of the best defenses in the NFL. Who's like coaching staff permeates the entire league. But to my point, you're, so you're going to be satisfied with divisional results and divisional exits. Every Nobody year? That's, I'm not. see like, that's the extreme you're going to. Nobody is saying that we're going to be satisfied with that. That is not the end goal. But again, what would have happened? Like, what, what's what's the full context of the situation to why they didn't get to the NFC Championship game? Did they flop, like, considerably? Like, I thought the 2008 Cowboys were one of the best rosters we'd ever – I felt the exact same way about them then as I do about this team now, and they went 9-7 and seven and missed the playoffs. So you want to fire a, t- a coach after falling short like that? Absolutely. But, like, if they go 12-5 and five or 13 – you said they're going to win 13 games. Like, you have all this confidence. Your, bi- your biggest concern is that they're – too many talented players are going to get cut off the team and make other teams better. And yet you're so like, oh, but if they don't make it to the NFC championship game, we got to fire the head coach. Tony, you raised your hand. Yeah. I'll just say a quick note. I didn't survive all these eight and eight Jason Garrett seasons to like be upset by, you know, back to back 12 and five years. So, you know, for me, I want to continue this and eventually the dam will break or it won't, but at least we'll be competitive doing it. Even if it doesn't break, if you, if you're if it didn't break for you after going 12 and 5 12 and 5 12 and 5 like that sucks but that's just kind of the way it is sometimes you know what i mean like you just kind of have to live with that um uh, brandon um before i put all the points on the board i'm really sorry about that also because i feel like i contributed to it um so I, I feel badly uh but danny says this is how you blow a lead trust me i know what she did last week so um let's see here uh where does this start um I think we start off with uh, Kevin took away three points. I think, Brandon, we're going to reach a number. We're not, we're not going to actually add all these up. Um, we had some, several. Uh, David offered Tony five points for being the voice of reason. Um, Ethan gave Tony ten points, said I almost got depressed. Um, Kevin says Jerry made the mistake of firing a winning coach with Gailey. How did that turn out for us? I don't know that any of us are going to you know, die on this sword Uh personally but you know hey uh, it is what it is richard though does believe or agree with you brandon says five points to brandon he speaks the truth it won't be quinn's fault if we how is how can you possibly how can anyone say this how can anyone say this is so dumb i love dan quinn but i hate dan quinn because there are so many people who believe that anything good that happens with the cowboys is only dan quinn and everything bad that happens with the cowboys is only mike mccarthy like why 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 does that exist can anybody anybody can answer this question anybody any one of you three Everybody loves the backup quarterback. Everybody loves the non-head coach. It's just what it is. 
there's a little bit of the Chris Richard putting on cleats and yelling at players to Dan Quinn. Like I, I really believe that. I don't know if anybody agrees with me. Howman, you're you've been silent and giggling a lot, so I don't know where you stand on all this. I think it's the backwards hat. Everybody loves a good backwards hat look. And the Jordans. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> that's exact. I, I think they're. I think that's silly, but I think that's true. Like to a certain degree. I think um, we're all just preemptively upset with McCarthy for cutting Isaiah Land and then him going <laughs> on another team. Okay, uh, this is where we stand right now before we move on. Uh, back to Brandon to, to, to land this whole plane. Tony has 74 points. Brandon, you have 60. Howman, nice. You have 69. Nice. Uh, last thing that will be said, last opportunity for any of you to earn points, and then the audience can hand them out to you. Here we go. Brandon Clements, your smallest concern about the Dallas Cowboys in the moment, in this particular moment in time. Let's go. Let's party. In this, in this particular moment in time, I would say it's the defensive line, just a smidge, because I, there are so there's so much talent on the team. I, we've I've already beat this to beat this drum at a nauseum. But for me, the concern along the defensive line is still the rush defense because of what Mozzie Smith has has you know shown or lack thereof shown in this uh, this preseason. I you know I, I watched the Seattle game back a couple times, and he got pushed out of the play on multiple occasions. You know, it looks like he's, you know, there's some technical flaws that need to be worked out, you know, and, and I'm not going to go as far as say he's a bust because that's not, that's definitely not the case. Obviously, there's some crazy folks out there that are trying to put that narrative out there, of course, but Mozzie Smith is not the guy who's going to fill up the stat sheet. And people have to understand, like, if you're watching the game, Mozzie, when he gets it all right, he's going to be a pretty darn good football player. And, and the guys on the outside, like Micah Parsons, Tank Lawrence, Sam Williams, they're going to, they're going to eat because of Mozzie Smith. But right now, there's, there's, you know, to me, like right now, Hankins is the, is the one guy, and and, I, and I'd say Osa obviously as well are, are guys that I, I feel are, are strong enough to, you know, to do okay on their on the rush defense side. But Mozzie Smith was drafted for a reason, and that's to plug the run. And when you draft a first round pick to do that, and and yes, the sample size has been small, it's been early, but you, we all were kind of, I think a lot of people were expecting him just to hit the ground running, and he hasn't hit the ground running just yet. And and to me. That's my small smidgen of, you know, you know, may, you know, maybe the defensive line could be a little bit concerning, but I think on the pass rush side, I think we're completely good there. But I still think rush defense can still be a little concerning unless Mozzie keeps progressing, which I do feel he will. I'm very optimistic. I'll keep saying that optimistic that Mozzie Smith will become, you know, he's going to become the, the, the guy in the middle and he's going to be the guy for the next, you know, handful of years. But at this point, he gets turned around too much. Some of the technical issues, they can coach that up. You know, I, I'm not I'm not too concerned about it, but that's more my smallish smidgen of of, of concern comes from. Uh, Danny, Brandon has given you five points and said, good answer, way to get back in that tree. So um, you are once again a climber. Uh, that's wonderful to see. Uh, I mean, I think that's fair. Uh, the run defense was kind of their weak point last year. I think we have a high level of belief in what they've done. Uh, hasn't been a great week from Ozzie Smith on the internet. I think we all understand it's a little too early to freak out. I know everybody has said that and written that in various capacities. Like it can be true that he did not play well against Seattle and that it doesn't mean anything in the grand overall. Uh, so as things sit, Brandon, um, you're going to take home bronze, but it was a strong effort. So, um, you know, kudos to you. And um, in fact, you came really close here at the very end with those five extra points. This is where we stand. Uh, Brandon, you came all the way up to 70 points. Hellman, you picked up five at the very end for doubling down on Isaiah Land. Tony, I'm sorry. That led to a tie. Uh, so Tony and Hellman are tied at 74 points apiece. 
Uh, the comment that threw us down into this chaos came from Ethan, who said five points to Hellman for doubling down. Well, hold, on, on hold on a second. Hold, hold on a second. Land is my guy, guys. Come on. Where's the point? Oh, Come on. Come on. Uh, Let's land, give the, him plane. Three Let's points. land the plane the right way here. Land's been my guy all offseason. Come on, folks. Let's. Let's, let's add that I in. just want to point out that Tony blew the lead like the Falcons in that Super Bowl, and now we're heading to overtime just like in that Super Bowl. Oh. Like Dan Quinn. Yeah. Um, Brandon, um, so Brandon we're going to give – this is this is what we're going to do. Um, we're going to give Tony and Brandon one last statement. All right, they can say whatever they want about anything. It doesn't have to be a concern. It can be anything they want. And then you and I are going to decide between the two of us. All right, so that that's how this is going to go. Uh, but Brandon, you get to flip the coin and tell us who goes first here, Hellman or Tony. Let's go Tony first. So we're doing big concern, little oh, concern, any concern? It, no, it's it's an open essay. It's an essay question. Oh. You can write anything you want. Any about any you can des- describe, go deep into detail. You can, you know, scream, you can cut maybe not cuss out family show, <laughs> but you know what I mean? You can praise, you can tear down, you can do whatever you want. Listen, um, <laughs> I'll go first. Obviously, I'm going first here, but I, I want to piggy- I'll go first yeah. after I was told to go first. Yeah, thank you. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody puts baby in the corner here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I just want to kind of touch on some of I know Brandon's been overly po- op- optimistic on it, but I, I will say to kind of, you know, Lintus, if if this loses me, you know, the round table, then so be it. I want to kind of stand in the corner with Brandon because what he's saying isn't off base in a lot of ways. Where like, yeah, I think 2023 is the one year that like we should be really excited about it. I mean, Cowboys Nation, if we remember last year at this time, there was a lot of pessimism. I know we came off of 2021. A lot of people felt like that was their best chance to win a Super Bowl. I don't a lot of people didn't expect them to go 12 and 5. I think a lot of people thought 2022 wasn't a throwaway year, but they they expected some regression. And I think regression to the mean was like a you know a company line at one point last year. So um I, I think 2023 is the first time that we can sit here and say, okay, back-to-back 12-5 seasons, you know, Dak Prescott, new offense, defense looks unbelievable. Like, this is a really good football team that we can get really excited about. So I think even though Brandon is overly positive in this in this roundtable, I don't think he's too far off base. So I just want to double down on that and say, yes, I feel I share the optimism. I may not be as vocal about it, but I, I, I'm there with him. Okay, so to be clear, your essay question was repeating somebody else's thoughts. Um, although it was, re- it, it, yeah, well, you plagiarized somebody who has a hand in deciding the winner. So there was some strategy involved, clearly, uh, you know, from Tony. Howman, your essay question, you can do whatever you want. By the way, Skyler has reminded me that I have a token that was given to me by Skyler. I can either deduct five points from somebody or hand out three points to somebody. Um, Skyler, to make matters interesting, I'm going to hand my three points out to Brandon. Uh, so I'm going to burn them. Uh, so this is where we're at now. So my token has been played. Uh, but that means our essay question still must go on. Hellman, uh, floor is yours. Well, shoot, I was just about to start cheering for the Astros. Um, that ruined my whole plan. <laughs> 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 um, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of keep with the theme of optimism, but also address Brandon's point that he was making about Mike McCarthy having to reach this certain level. And I really don't think that there's there's any sort of mandate with Mike McCarthy if he has to reach this certain level. Obviously, if he has a you know horrible season, if they like way underperform, there's going to be a conversation to be had there. If you know they get to the 
the divisional round again and they lose and it's something that is like very clearly squarely on the coach, that's going to be a conversation that Jerry Jones is going to have to have. But that's really not what we've seen from Mike McCarthy at this point. He's, you know, like most coaches, he has a couple moments here and there where maybe it's a little questionable as to how he handles it. But he also, you know, he, he was brought in to change this organization and he has slowly and but surely done that. He, he came in, you know, being the guy that, unlike Jason Garrett, he doesn't have to learn on the job. He's been a head coach for 13 years. He's won the Super Bowl. He's done all the things. And he came in with that experience. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. He knew the staff he wanted to hire. And when those hires didn't quite work out with Mike Nolan, he turned around and went out and got Dan Quinn. Turned out great. And he, he just has a certain level of preparedness. He also talked a lot about how, you know, I want to bring in this analytics staff. And, you know, it took a little bit of time. They added a few, few members to the coaching staff that first year that have a bit of a dual background with analytics and, and football coaching. And then now this offseason, they've made pretty sizable overhaul changes to their front office with their analytics department. So we're seeing that this is not necessarily just he's coming in and like right away he brought in his guys. It's a multi-year process. He's he's kind of he had this plan that obviously took a little bit of time to implement. There's been some bumps and changes on the way. He's adapted to those on the fly. And they had a you know rough first year, and then they rebounded back to back 12 win seasons. So I don't think that the Cowboys would have brought him in and given him this kind of leeway to make these kinds of changes and to kind of reshape the organization and the way that they approach certain things. For example, the way they just handled Ezekiel Elliott, the way that they, you know, didn't fall for any of the bait with any other running backs, you know, on the market, trade market, whatever. They stuck to their guns about Tony Pollard, not giving him a long-term deal. They got Deuce Vaughn in the sixth round and they're looking really brilliant so far for that with how he's played. Um, I just don't think you bring in a coach like that and give him that kind of, that kind of influence over your organization. If you're also saying, well, then, you know, after you've done all this, if you don't get to this one arbitrary game, like we're going to fire you and someone else will come in and maybe they have to completely change everything all over again. I think they are bought into Mike McCarthy. I think that they are probably going to be rewarded for that with the way that this offense should be going to the next level with him taking over the play calling. I think him and Dak Prescott are a really good match from a head coach to quarterback duo. And you know, I, I don't, I don't want to go far, go so far as to say like they're definitely winning the Super Bowl this year because we've all been down this road. But they are, I think, the best position for a Super Bowl run that they have been in the last two decades with Mike McCarthy and what he brings to the team. But a lot of that comes from Mike McCarthy. It's not in spite of Mike McCarthy. Brandon, you were acting like that was your point. You, but you bagged on McCarthy. On, you want to fire on. him? Hold on, hold on. And McCarthy wasn't I, even your smallest concern, Brandon. All right, hold on a second. So, <laughs> so Tony. So the final point, you know, kudos to Tony. By the way, he played or plagiarized me pretty well. So he he made my point in the final point, which you know, good good job, Tony. I you know that that's how you play to me on that one. And then we're talking the theme of optimism. So it's like, man, I covered all those bases uh, throughout the entire show. So. I mean, Man, RJ, I don't know. Between, I, I think, I think the calculator might have been off. <laughs> it's between Hammond and Tony. Um, so let's kind of roll through the comments here. Charles has voted for Hammond. Um, Kevin voted for me. Uh, he was unimpressed by each of your final answers. So sorry about that, boys. Um, Mel kind of went back at Brandon and said, so let me get this straight. If Mike McCarthy gets you to three consecutive 12-1 seasons and doesn't get to the Super Bowl, you want to get rid of him. To be fair, Brandon, you said just the NFC title game, not the NFC Super Bowl. NFC championship, um, yeah. Rick said, uh, for my guy, Tony, for the win. Uh, Skyler voted for Skyler or Tony for my runner-up. Ethan is torn um, between the two t the two contestants here tonight. Uh, Brandon, I will take your vote into consideration, but I'm prepared to announce a winner. 
um, unless you want to offer a passion plea for one of them. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, no offense, Howman. I mean, you were, you were kind of, you were going negative, uh, negative Nancy towards my point earlier. So you weren't playing to me as one of the, uh, the official judges here on the round table tonight. So sorry, Howman. I know we're, we're, Syracuse. You know that. I, I know, I know you love Syracuse too. I, I, but even though we're, we're co-hosts on the, on the, uh, the writer's block, Tony, Tony plagiarized me and, and made great points. He played to me. So I give him all the points. Sorry, Hellman. Um, yeah, well, I'm still going to make my decision anyway, but thank you for the offer, uh, input, Brandon. Um, that being said, Tony, I think you had, um, a game, like sometimes there's in, like in a reality show, um, you have like, like, a, like a top chef. There's the best, like clearly the best person, like the whole season, the whole season, the whole season. And they have that one episode where they just like cook the worst dish of their life and they just go home. And you're like, man, that is so unfortunate. And that was kind of happening to you at the very end here. You know what I'm saying? Like you were on fire, on fire, on fire. And then like you, you botched the, like the waffles, you know what I mean? Like it, it was such a simple dish and like you tried to get cute. You tried to make some weird batter, but um, you use some good butter, you use some good peanut butter as well. I have some solid maple syrup action. Tonight's roundtable winner, Tony Catalina. You held on by the by the hair of your chinny chin chin. I'll say that, Tony. It was it was much yeah. closer than I'm sure you would have liked, but nevertheless, the crown is yours, my friend. Thank you. You you guys, I mean, I'm gonna do a little cooking analogy. You guys ever seen the show Chopped? I just I did have, a cooking yeah. analogy, and you're gonna do yeah. it right now. Well, that's okay. why I'm piggying back <laughs> off that another plagiarizing, you know. So I, I hate the one thing I hate about Chop the most is they could get all the way to the final and then they get mad at them about their appetizer round. If the appetizer round was so bad, you shouldn't have let them get to the final. So that's what I thought. I thought that's where you're going with this with me. So I'm glad that you didn't smoke me because I had a bad appetizer there. So I'm appreciative of the one. Um, by the way, I just saw a story from Mike Silver um, that says the 49ers high sticks gamble on the kicking game is starting to look dicey. So for all the people who said the Cowboys messed up by not drafting Jake Moody to kind of go back to where we started here. How many do you feel robbed? By the way, uh, David said PB and waffles. I love putting peanut butter on waffles. Am I alone here? No, nah, I like that. I'll I haven't on that. tried it, it's, but I'll have an open mind. It's, uh, we know that your um, your uh, delicacy as far as like dining is, is very different, Hellman, and, and you, I will say that. You won't say no to much. Uh, but Hellman, how, what are your thoughts on Tony taking home the win? Um, you know, it, it's 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 kind of disappointing to, to come this far and then come up a bit short, but you know what? I, I'm proud of the team's effort out there. We came back from a, a big deficit. We, you know, we never gave up. We never, we never threw in the towel. So that's something to hang our hats on. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Brandon would fire you. I mean, you know what I mean? Cause you did really well, but you just, it, you had a weird level of context <laughs> behind uh, why you lost at the very end. Actually, one of the better analogies of the night comes from Brian, uh, Tony, made yours better uh brian said tony your appetizer main course were great it was your dessert that fell flat yeah like you served us like melted ice cream you know what i mean like it was just like you tried to use the like you know thing and it didn't work yeah. out um but you know hey uh you guys ate so well you weren't hungry for dessert that's all good that's all tony good. stop yeah, I, like, I agree we, with when we make the analogies <laughs> let them live <laughs> let them so, marinate uh, there you go all right uh tony as we leave um you know the rules around here um, we're going to break them. You don't have to make a random noise. But in the spirit of what we just discussed, you have to tell us an, the best dessert that a human being can possibly have. Like, oh, like they're at they're, they're having this amazing meal, whatever. You got to top it off. What is the like a plus the Mike McCarthy of desserts that any human being can possibly have and why? 
this is mine, so I don't care how you guys feel about it. But dude, what a, per- Tony, a I, perfectly, like... <laughs> a perfectly executed creme brulee is unmatched. So one of the more simplistic desserts in the world. Is your <laughs> it doesn't answer. have to be. You don't have to put bells and whistles on it for it to be excellent. He's Tony, right. please pick yeah. an amazing type of breakfast honey nut cheerios like i mean like what come on dude like you know <laughs> a western omelet <laughs> I mean, just like you know like, like i mean not even like you, any you... kind of cocktail with it or anything like i was expecting like a whole experience to be described to us like the a people who bring out the fire and they do the bananas foster and stuff like that's what i wanted yeah. to hear fair enough i mean how about a a perfectly made southern banana pudding how's that um, I'm okay with that. Um, Brian, by the way, has your back says it's a pain to make. Uh, talking about you can't win with these people, man. No. <laughs> you did win. What do you mean? You literally just won. What do you mean? You I gotta exit before I, before I lose it. No, um, I hope that everyone, included, especially Tony, has a great night. Tony, give us a final word, and then we take out. Don't go twelve and five, or you're out. 